Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Christmas, Lakeport family. Love you guys so much. And um, man, it's good to start off the Christmas season with you. If you guys got your Bibles, head over to Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 is we're going to be um, in a word this morning. And uh, man, while you're turning there, um, I am really excited. I just, I love everything about the Christmas season, um, especially here at Lakeport. And so what we're doing this week is we're starting a Christmas series that we're just calling, here's the title of the series. It's just, uh, the title of the series is All I Want for Christmas. That's the title of the series. All I want for Christmas. And uh, here's where it comes from. We all know this. Like if you look back to when you were a kid, it was like every year there was usually like that one gift that it was like, man, I just, I got to have that one thing. Like it's, if I just get that one thing, Christmas is a win. And if not, it's a lot. So there, there's this one, all I want for Christmas, okay? Um, now, uh, I did in message prep, I just kind of went back to a trip down memory lane and I went back and thought about like all this stuff that for me was the, that's all I want for Christmas. Now, um, what you guys are gonna help me do is uh, we're, we're gonna see how many of us could be friends in uh, trip down memory lane here, okay? So um, one of the things that was like the first, I've gotta have it for Christmas. How many of you guys remember, now if you remember this, this is how I, I know that we could be friends, okay? How many of you remember when you got one of these? Anybody remember this? All right, man, now, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, now, pop quiz. Okay, we're gonna do a little, a little quiz this morning. Pop quiz. Uh, if, this is how I know that we, like, shared some, some similar experiences. Okay, if you know what that is, uh, when the game wasn't working, what did you do? You blow on it. Everybody, okay, now, if you knew the answer to that, we could be friends. That's how I know that. So that, that was one. Now, uh, there was a couple other things in my life that was like, all, that's all I want for Christmas. Um, okay, go ahead. And don't, now, don't say what it is, okay? How many of you know what, okay, on the count of three, if you know what this thing was called, shout it out loud, okay? One, two, three, Walkman. Yeah, man, and dude, I, got, I had that exact model in the 80s rocking that sucker. It was awesome. Okay, uh, let, me, let me do, uh, let me do, let's see, what do we got? Oh, that's right, okay. Uh, now, this one's from some of our more, uh, our more mature Lake Point members. This is early childhood for me, okay? Now, okay, now don't say anything. Go ahead and toss it up there. Okay, if you know, okay, if you know what this was called, one, two, three, Pong, that's right, man. And then, listen, that was radically inventive technology, uh, th that was Atari years for me. Okay, now we're gonna do another one. This one's for the ladies. Go ahead and toss it up there. Okay, ladies, what brand is this backpack? It's Lisa Frank. Jana knew that immediately. I had to have some help. Now, this one's a little inside. Now, I did. I really wanted a pair of these. Now, I'm gonna show you it's the, it, women's jeans. I did not want those. 
okay? But I did want this brand and this style in like uh, early or mid 80s when, when I was in elementary school, okay? Now, uh, go ahead and toss them up there. What brand are those jeans? Jordash, that's it. Whoever said that in the middle section, I see you, bro. That's it. Acid wash Jordash jeans, nothing cooler, okay? Now, uh, let, me do, let me do one more. What brand is this jacket? Members only, that's it. Now, here's the last one. I, this was like, I, these were the coolest thing when I was a kid. Okay, uh, does anyone remember what these were called? Wrestling buddies. Wrestling, I needed a wrestling buddy as a kid. Now, on the right, you got Hulk Hogan. Who knows who the guy on the left is? That's it. <laughs> we're excited over here. Macho man, Randy Savage, snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah, that's it, man. That's my childhood. So every year there was like something that was like, dude, that's all I want. I gotta have that thing. Now, what we're doing in this season is what, what Christians have historically called this season of weeks leading up to Christmas is called Advent. That means arrival or coming. And it's a season where Christians throughout uh, history, they have like prepared their souls to remember the coming of Christ uh, by focusing on these four themes of the gospel. And what I've noticed is like, as I've walked with the Lord, the longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I've matured, the more I've kind of like passed through life. Now it's like, dude, like the all I want for Christmas stuff is not stuff anymore. It's not Walgmans, it's not Jordash jeans, it's not a Technodrome, you know. What I've noticed is that, man, all of a sudden it's these things. And so what we'll do during this series is we'll look at, man, these are the things that Christ followers want in this season, these four themes, hope, love, joy, and peace. How do you get that stuff? Hope, love, joy, and peace. We're going to talk about hope today. Now, listen, as we talk about hope, what you got to know is you need hope. You need hope. In fact, the great movie Shawshank Redemption, which you can see any day of the week on TBS, Shawshank Redemption just says like this. He says, hope is a good thing, maybe the best thing. He says that because if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. It has been said like this. You can go weeks without food. You can, go, uh, you can go weeks without food. You can go days without water. You can go minutes without air. You can't go five seconds without hope. Without hope, your soul starts to die. In fact, Proverbs 13, 12 just says like this. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And what the Bible means when it says that, it means that you were designed to run on hope. That when you don't have hope, you get heart sick. And man, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I would rather have a sick body than a sick heart. I'd rather have a sick bank account than a sick heart because we need hope. We were designed for it. Now, if that's true, we better know what hope is. If that's what we were designed to run on, we better know what hope is. Let me start with like what hope is not before we press into what hope is. Here's what hope is not. Hope is not optimism, okay? Hope is theological, Optimism is psychological. Optimism is just is pretending everything is okay when honestly a lot of times it's not okay. Optimism is like, well, at least it wasn't. Well, it could have been worse. Optimism sounds like, man, hey, I, I got hit. And by the way, some of you guys like, I, I'm wired to be an optimist. I'm an eternal optimist. But, but, but some, some of y'all, like somebody needs to tell you like, hey, bro, tone it down. It's annoying. Because optimism sometimes is like, man, I got hit by a car. Well, at least it wasn't a truck. 
Well, it was still a car and I didn't like it. You know, please stop. You know, hope is not optimism. Some people, what they do is they'll insert hope. It's like a, it's, it's wishful thinking without any logical basis. Okay, man, I hope the Jacksonville Jaguars win the Super Bowl. Okay, awesome, man. I hope rain, I hope unicorns poop rainbow ice cream for my dessert. It's like, and those got the equal chance of happening today. So, so, so you see that hope is not optimism. And by the way, I'm not against optimism. In fact, I love, I'm just telling you, optimism only works with things you can control. See, so hope is not psychological. Hope is theological. It's grounded in the promises of God. Listen to this. Real hope is based on God's word, not my wishes. Real hope is not based on what I sense. It's based on what God has said. Real hope is not based on my emotion, but on what God has spoken. It's not based on my imagination. It's based on God's obligation to do what he says, and our God never lies. So that's the ground of our hope. Okay, now, when I say that hope is theological, what I'm getting ready to do, I'm getting ready to read from Romans 5. This is like the Everest peak of the mountain range of the Bible on hope. It is a deeply theological passage, okay? So I'm gonna read through this. I'm trusting that, you, that we are a Bible church. We love hearing a Bible preach, the Bible read, the Bible taught, the Bible heard. I'm, I'm trusting we like that. So let me read through this real quick. I wanna show you what the Bible grounds our hope in. Okay, so this is Romans 5, starting in, in verse five. It says, and our hope does not what? Our hope does not disappoint us, not our hope. I'm gonna come back to that. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, there's something, you, now watch this, I'm going to come back to this. There's something that if you want hope, you need to fix your eyes on. He says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for who? Christ died for the ungodly. So you need to know this, man. Some of you guys, you stumbled into this room actually in hope because you are having a, what I call a head-on collision with your depravity right now. And you've made mistakes you're not gonna be able to recover from in the immediate. There are things you have done that you can't undo. There are transgressions that are very deep. And what you are waking up to right now is you're having a head-on collision with your depravity and you're realizing that I am ungodly. Okay, good news for you. Christ died for one category of person, the ungodly. Okay, he is not waiting for you to clean yourself up, make yourself more moral, you get more spiritual. He's not waiting for that, for him to love you. He, he died for the ungodly. He loves you now in all of your jacked upness. Okay, this is what this says. That's the ground of our hope. Very rarely it says, will anybody die for a righteous person? But for a good person, somebody might possibly dare to die. But God is different. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still what? While we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, you, Christ died for us. Now, you gotta know this. I just wanna hammer this home. Man, Jesus did not come for people who think that they're good. He only came for people who know that they're bad. If you walked in this room realizing, like hoping beyond hope that there might be a hope for you, for a God that loves you and you're a sinner, listen, that's awesome. You think you're a sinner? You're in the category Jesus died for. But then it says this, it grounds our hope. So, okay, God loves sinners. That's awesome. How is he able to do that in the midst of his holiness? Here's what verse nine says. Since we have now been justified, justified is a legal term. It's in a courtroom. What it's saying is that now when you sin, what Jesus has done is he came at the first Christmas. He 
lived a perfect life. He died a substitutionary death in your place. You gotta get this. Jesus did not just die for you. He died instead of you. He died to take the penalty for your sin at the cross. And so what he does is he pleads a legal case before the father and he says, hey, I've already been crucified for that guy's sin. What she did, I already died for. And in the courtroom of heaven, a case is being pled and God the father goes, man, I'm holy, I'm just, I can't punish the same sin twice. That would be unfair. And so God renders a legal verdict upon you. And he goes, on the basis of Jesus' blood, I acquit you of your sins. You are declared justified. What the Bible says, justified, that means it's just as if you'd never sinned. Even more than that, in God's sight, it's just as if you'd always obeyed by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And you do need to be saved from God's wrath. Friends, Jesus will return. Jesus will judge. Jesus will come to judge the living and the dead, the Bible says. For if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. Now our relationship to him is no longer a relationship of defendant and judge. Now he's a loving daddy with his adopted kids. We've been reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Now, okay. Let me just, let me riff on this theologically really quick. What I just read to you is what Christians historically have called the gospel. In fact, the Bible calls that news I just read to you the gospel. Okay, the English word gospel comes from the Greek word evangelion. In fact, this is so important. I'm gonna have you say it out loud. You're gonna say the Greek word evangelion with me on the count of three, boldly like it matters. Okay, one, two, three, Evangelion, that's awesome, okay? And, and now that Greek word, it comes from, it's, it's two words mashed together. The ev is a prefix meaning good. And then angelos, that's where we get the word angel. It means message or messenger. So evangelion, here's what it means. It means the good message or the good news. Now here, here's what's really interesting, okay? <clears throat> that word was not originally like a churchy spiritual word. It was a military term a military term. Now, check this out because it's absolutely awesome. Okay, here's what happened, all right? Let's say that there was a big invading army, army that was coming on a city and they wanted to come and steal, kill, and destroy everything the city and the people had, okay? What that city would do is they like get together and they'd grab all the young men in their city and the women, children, and the elderly. They would send off this army, watch this, to go do battle against the enemy on their behalf, and they would send them off to the battlefield, all right? So now this army goes out and they're, they're going out. And what happens is the city, they hang back and they're waiting in eager anticipation, fear, anxiety, hope. And what they know is whatever happens on that battlefield is gonna get, listen to me, imputed to us. If that army wins, then we get to experience their victory. If that army loses, we experience their defeat. So they'd all be hanging back and they'd be going, man, here's the question they'd be asking. They'd be going, man, we don't know what's going on. Are, are, if the enemy wins, are we gonna come back and our women are gonna get raped and our children are gonna get enslaved? Is there an enemy that's gonna come and steal, kill and destroy everything that we hold dear? What's gonna happen? Now, what the army would do is they'd be all fighting and let's say that they won, they experienced victory. Okay, what they would do is they would choose one swift, like a fast young man, and they would send him back with the evangelion, the good message of victory that's been accomplished. And guess what they would call this young man that would, that would bring that evangelion, the, the gospel? Guess what they would call him? They, they'd call him 
an evangelist. And they would send back this evangelist to go, hey, bring the good news, bring the good message back to the people on whose, ha- on whose behalf we've accomplished victory. Now imagine you're back in the city and day after day, you're just waiting to find out what happened on that battlefield. Are we gonna experience you know, life to the full or are we gonna have an enemy steal, kill and destroy? And all of your eyes all day, you just be looking at the horizon at the top of the hill, waiting for that evangelist to crest the top of the hill. And then one day it happens. And you see this dude, just a silhouette crest the top of the hill. And this dude they would call evangelist, he would announce a gospel, an evangelion, a good message. He'd crest the top of the hill and he'd go, we won, victory's been accomplished. The enemy's been defeated. Our boys shed their blood and they accomplished victory on your behalf. So the enemy's not coming to steal, kill, and destroy. You're gonna have life evermore. And that news was called a gospel. Now listen, friend, if you're not picking up on this, like I I can't really actually help you if you're not picking up on how this works, okay? That's like, do you know what I'm doing today? I am announcing the good news that a battle has been won on your behalf. I'm standing, listen, man, I'm standing on the top of this hill. And now what happens is there's a gospel, an evangelion, a good news that's being announced to you. Victory's been accomplished. Jesus Christ, our warrior, went to the battlefield against the enemy, sin, death, and the devil. He shed his blood on our behalf. His victory is now imputed to us so that now there is no enemy that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. We get to experience life evermore. That's good news, man. That's good news. Now listen, that's called a gospel good news. Now here's what you got to know. What Romans 5 says is that good news is the foundation of all true hope. Gospel news is the foundation of all true hope. Now, do you want to understand why you may be going, yeah, but I believe that, but I don't feel a whole lot of hope all the time. Let, let me help you understand. Okay. Let me help you understand why that's happening to you. Can you do this at all of our campuses? Would you hold up your pinky? Would you do this? Just do it, even if you make, makes you feel a little effeminate, but just do it anyway. Hold up your pinky. And what I want you to do is uh, hold it up close enough to your eye where you can actually see if you can block me out. See if you can do it, okay? So you're blocking out the evangelist, right? That's what you're doing, okay? Now here, okay, now you can do it, okay? What you know, you can do it. Now, can I just point this out to you? I, I'm not a big dude, but I am bigger than your pinky. So, so can I point this out? A small thing held close to the eye can block out a much larger thing. Do you know what's happening to a lot of you guys and the reason you don't have much hope is because the good news of God is being blocked out by the bad news of the media and the press with what you hold up to the eye of your soul. Like this is happening to you right now, man. If your eyes are glued to the cable news, social media, the problems, well, here's what's gonna happen. The problems of this world end up blocking out the promises of God. Here's how, like, here's for real. Here's how some people live their entire lives, man. You've got like this digital IV, like tapped straight into your veins. It's like Fox, CNN, NBC, or as I call them, the beast, the false prophet, and the antichrist. All three right there. If you're a little younger, you're going, oh, that's not me. Okay, for you, it's like, it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's TikTok. It's just right there, man. And listen, what you got you to understand this, man. Listen, I want everybody everywhere to get this. There is no such thing as the free press. Ain't no such thing as the free. It's all for profit, all of it. You're not going to get the good news from Fox News. You're not going to get the good news from CNN. Do you know why? Because hope doesn't sell. Fear sells. 
fear sells. And so what they do is all day, every day, what they do is they just go, they, they, just, they just spew out fear and division, fear and division, fear and division. That's what the news does. But the gospel news is spews into your soul, love and hope, love and hope, love and hope. And that's what you need to be, that's what we need to be feeding our souls with, man. That elevates our hope. Man, for some of us, it's not focused on like necessarily maybe cable news or what, what the situation of the world. Is sometimes we get so focused on how bad our, situ, our personal situation is that we forget how good our God is. Man, we do this so much. You may, you may walk around like, man, Josh, yeah, but what about my job? What about my child that's off course? What about my medical diagnosis? What about our country? Okay, yeah, but what about our God? What about our God, man? Man, listen, would you, listen, our hope is not in our situation. Our hope's in our Savior. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Man, that's where our hope comes from. You may be going, yeah, Josh, but prodigal children, they don't come home. Man, people like me, they don't get raises. Yeah, and babies aren't born to virgins and living people don't walk out of their graves, but that's what our God does. You see, this is where hope comes from, is my eyes go to the Lord. He's where hope comes from. So here's what you got to do. You got to learn to fix the eyes of your soul on this good news. That's where your hope comes. You got you to every day be thinking about the promises of God, not the problems of your life. Can I, I'll just be very practical. Here's how I do it. Uh, this may disappoint. I don't disappoint somebody. I don't read huge sections of scripture every day. I read one chapter every day, and I read it slow with a pen in my hand. And, and listen, I miss days. I just, we said this here around Lake Point for a long time, is shoot for seven days a week, aim for seven, but be okay if you just hit five. Shoot for seven, hit five, one chapter a day. And here's what I do. I, when I'm reading my chapter, I'm just looking for that one thing. It's an act of God, the power of God. It's a promise of God that I can hold on to for the rest of the day. And what you're gonna notice is that there is a promise of God for every situation you'll ever walk through. Man, are you afraid of people? You need Psalm 27.1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Man, you walking through money issues, you need Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Man, there's even a verse for going to the dentist. Crown him with many crowns. You know, that's it, man. That's actually, that's actually not a verse. But there is a verse that says, open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Okay, but now all, all that. So you just need to get this, man. You got to understand this. Now, here's a question. How does God produce hope? What's the process he works in our life by which he produces more hope in our life? Well, the answer is actually different than you would think. If you look down at the passage, look, look at Romans 5, 3. And here's what it says, okay? We rejoice. In other words, it brings us joy. We rejoice in our what? We rejoice in our sufferings. That's weird. Why would anybody? So it's saying suffering is going to do something to you that's going to result in you eventually expressing joy. How's that work? Okay, well, watch this. Because we know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So the Bible's saying there's some method whereby God uses the pains that you experience in your life and he redeems them and uses them in such a way that it results in more hope in your life. Now, what's the logic of that? How does sufferings result in more hope, okay? 
One of the best sermon illustrations I've ever heard, I heard from like an an old Baptist pastor in an old church back when I was a kid. I'm going to give it to you right now. It's called The Story of the Two Lumberjacks. And it goes like this. Once upon a time, there were two lumberjacks that were commissioned to chop down an entire forest. And as these two lumberjacks walked up to the first tree at the outskirts of the forest, they grabbed their axes and they began to take the first swing. But as soon as they did that, one of the lumberjacks looked up and they noticed that there was a, a mother bird nesting in the top of the tree. And this lumberjack's heart was filled with compassion. And so he turned to his uh, companion and he pointed to the, uh, the bird and they both decided, they took their axes and they turned them so that the flat side of the ax was facing the tree and they began to wail on the trunk of the tree until the tree shook and it scared the bird and the bird took flight out of the tree that was getting ready to be chopped down. The problem was the bird flew from one tree to the next tree that was also gonna be chopped down. So the lumberjacks looked at each other and they did the same thing. They approached the next tree, they turned their axes to the flat side and they began to wail on the trunk of the tree, shaking it until the bird got scared again and it flew out. But but it did the same thing. It flew from that tree to the next tree. And so this process repeated itself. They would shake the tree, the bird would get scared. It would take flight from tree to tree to tree until finally they shook uh, the trunk of one of the trees and the bird took flight And then it nested in the rocks where it would be safe. And then the lumberjacks knew that they could leave it alone because it was safe. Now listen, isn't it possible that the pain you're experiencing in your life, the financial trouble, the relational trouble, the job trouble, isn't it possible that God is shaking the trees in your life so that you will finally take root in the rock of ages that was cleft for you? Isn't that possible that God's doing that? That gives you hope. Yeah, you can applaud that, man. God's trying to bring you to a spot where you, what he's doing is he's allowing the wave that will cast you upon the rock of ages. Now, listen, here's what you got to understand. What God is doing, listen, listen, I need you to lean in right here. He's doing this because God wants your faith in something that is faithful. He wants your faith. Listen, hope and faith are connected in the Bible. Hope is the byproduct of faith. Just like a mother begets children, faith begets hope. That's why hope and faith go together so much in the Bible. It's cause and effect. It's tree and fruit. It's a mother who births a child. So our faith and hope. Okay, now watch this. The question in your life is, everybody's got faith in something. The question in your life is, is what I have faith in faithful? Is it faithful? Man, we live in a day right now where, man, people got faith in lots of things. There are different religions and philosophies and ideologies. And here's what people say. Man, it actually doesn't really matter what you believe so long as you're sincere. Well, here's my question. If people have a sincere faith, The question is, is it in an object that can sincerely save them? That's the question. It's not the sincerity of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith that saves you. And you can have a sincere faith in the wrong object and it will not save you. Now, like I've been praying leading up to this message. I've been praying that if you don't know the Lord Jesus, that your faith would come to rest in the Lord Jesus, that you would love the Lord Jesus, that you would know the Lord Jesus, that you would embrace the Lord Jesus, that you would be embraced by the Lord Jesus. And here's why, because spirituality, morality, and ideology does not save. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. 
And Jesus has to be the object of your faith so that your faith is in something that is faithful. So this summer, like at our house, um, we spent a lot of time with the kids in the pool. And the, the, the pool is built where like there's this little rock that comes out. It, it kind of juts out. It's like a, almost, we use it like a diving board. And so like earlier this summer, I was teaching the kids, trying to teach kids how to flip off of this rock. And I want you to imagine that like, what if I, I did a flip and I like banged the back of my head and I'm down in the water and I'm yelling to them, hey, I'm injured. Like, hey, I need help. I'm drowning. I'm going under. And I would be saying to them, hey, I need something I can hold onto to save me, to rescue me. And what if my kids yelled to me like, hey, dad, we've got a life jacket and a rock. Which one do you want? And I just said, I don't care. I've got sincere faith in either one. Well, listen, it's not the faith that saves. It's the object of the faith that saves. And if you grab the wrong thing, you will sink to your death. How do I know this? Because there is only one thing ever that went down to death and then conquered the grave, Jesus Christ himself. There's only one thing that you can grab onto that can float. So faith in anyone or anything other than Jesus is grabbing a rock and sinking to death. So let me ask you this question. Is your faith in Jesus? Do you know Jesus, love Jesus? Have you embraced Jesus? Have you been embraced by Jesus? If not, you may have a sincere faith, but your faith might be sincerely misplaced. And here's why that's such a big problem, okay? Here's what will happen. Look at what happens, Romans 5, 5. Here's what it says. It says, our hope, in other words, Christian hope, hope and faith in Jesus does not what? It does not disappoint us. Jesus is the only thing that you can hope in that will ultimately not disappoint you. He's the only thing now. Here's what I was gonna do at this spot, spot in the message. I actually like wrote out like these two pages of sermon notes and I was gonna go through everything that people tend to like hope in that would bring them future joy. Like, you know, cereal, Amazon shoppers and you know, all the beauty stuff and the money and the sex and the fame and the popularity. I was gonna do that. I was gonna show you how all of them will ultimately disappoint you. I was gonna preach all that. Instead, I'm gonna let Tom Brady do it for me. That's all I'm gonna do, okay? So I'm gonna, what I do, I'm gonna pick the one guy that actually has all the things and I'm gonna let him show, like, so here's what, I, years ago, Tom Brady is the most fascinating interview I've ever seen. He was on 60 Minutes and uh, being interviewed and somebody asked him the question, like this was back when he only had three Super Bowl rings. So like way back in the day, okay? And somebody asked him like, um, hey, what's it like to be Tom Brady? Here's what he said. He said, why is it, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. But me, I think, God, it's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. That's Tom Brady, okay? Now, can, can I just, if this is not sinking in, can I help this sink in? Okay, right now, there are eight billion people on planet earth, 8 billion people, okay? Among those 8 billion, there are 32 guys that are starting quarterbacks in the NFL, 32 out of 8 billion. Out of those 32, there's only like 10 dudes that are like not journeyman quarterback. They're like franchise locked in guys. And among every NFL quarterback that has ever existed there is one guy ever, as much as it pains me to say this, one guy ever 
who has seven Super Bowl rings. Here's how good Tom Brady is. They did a 30 for 30 on this guy for no other reason than just to shame all the teams that did not draft him. So like, listen, Tom Brady has got more going on than you. Newsflash. I don't care who, unless Tom Brady himself is watching Lake Point Church online. Tom Brady is wealthier than you. Tom Brady is better looking than you. Tom Brady has seven rings, Victoria's Secret, supermodel wife. He's got a net worth. The next generation of great quarterbacks is already coming into the league saying, man, I grew up watching Tom Brady and he inspired me to be what I am today. Can I just say this about you? Nobody's doing that for you, man. There is no kid that someday is gonna be like, man, when I was nine, I saw Bill in accounting do that spreadsheet. And that was the moment I knew that I wanted, nobody's doing that for you. And Tom Brady with everything is going, God, it's got to be more than this. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying, my hopes disappointed me. My hopes disappointed me. Now, can I flip it? Let me tell you a story about our, our God is better than your situation. Let me tell you a story about this, okay? So our elders here at Lake Point, um, whenever somebody is like a lot of times terminally ill, they'll reach out to our elders, this is from James 5, uh, to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and just ask God to heal them. And that may weird you out, but like there's literally Bible verses commanding us to do that and we're gonna do whatever this book says. So it's like James 5, we're in, okay? So it was like two years, actually it was like three years ago, this is my first year, year here at Lake Point. This lady came in and, uh, to, for prayer and, um, and it was her third bout with aggressive cancer, but this time it was terminal, so third bout with cancer, this time it's terminal, riddling her body. And she's just walking in. She's going, this is my last hope. <laughs> this is my last hope. Will you guys pray for me? And so we did the deal. And I, I, I tell everybody that walks in, I tell them the same thing, okay? I explain to them theologically. I say, hey, God will completely heal every single Christian in one of three ways. He will e either heal you immediately through miracle, gradually through medicine, or eventually in glory but God's gonna heal every single Christian, okay? And she heard me explain that. She went, that's great, but I'm here to pray for number one. So, so we did that. Like we sat down and we prayed. Or we asked God to heal this one. We're like, Holy Spirit, you know, do your thing. And we did that. And uh, that was three years ago. I didn't think anything about it, okay? It was like two, three months ago. I'm walking like right out there in the lobby. This lady had like weeks left, like weeks I'm walking right out of there in the lobby and I hear this like faintly familiar voice go, Pastor Josh. And I turn around and it's that lady. And I didn't say this out loud, but in my mind, I went, I thought you were dead. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't come out. I got a filter. And so I'm like, oh man. And there she is. She's got a big smile on her face. She's got a volunteer shirt on her back. She's got a body full of health. And I just said, what happened? Here's what she said. God came through. God came through. Now listen, our hope is not in our situation, it's in our Savior. And what the Bible says, the Bible calls that a sign. Listen, God does that stuff. He's the God of the impossible. God does that stuff, but the Bible calls it a sign. Do you know what a sign is? A sign is something small that points to something way bigger. Do you know what's way better than being healed and being able to live for a few more years physically? It's being healed spiritually of your sin and alienation from God and having eternal life in Christ in his name. That's way better, man. That's the small thing that points to the big thing. And what I'm telling you is that Jesus can do that for you. He can do that for you. But you must place your faith in him who is faithful. You must do that.
There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So listen, here's the deal, man. Some of you, you've been hanging out at Lake Point for four, five, six weeks. And like even right now while I'm preaching, there's this thing welling up inside of your soul that's the Holy Spirit telling you like, you need that. It's time for you to go home to your father. And I want to give you a chance to do that today. Okay, so at all of our campuses, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Right now, everybody, bow your heads and close your eyes. Man, if you're realizing that you need to cross a line of faith and give your life to Christ in a sincere way for the first time, I just want you to pray this prayer from your seat in a sincere heart. Just pray this right back to God. Just pray, God, I know I'm a sinner and that I have lived for other things besides you first. But I believe that you died for my sin. I believe that somehow in some way, the cross counted for me. And pray this from a sincere heart. And I believe that you rose from the dead and that you live to give life to all who call on your name. Pray this, from this day forward, as best as I know how, I will live for you first. I receive the free gift of forgiveness, not based on anything I've ever done, but just as a gift of grace. Thank you, God, for adopting me as a son or a daughter. Now keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And here's what I'm gonna do. If, uh, if you prayed that prayer to cross a line of faith, um, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand in the air boldly, okay? And I say boldly. Don't ever let somebody make you ashamed of what God is doing in your life, boldly. I'm doing that because one, we wanna know who we're praying for. But two, I believe that something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. So on the count of three, if that was you, Hand in the air with boldness. One, God loves you. Two, you came here for a reason today. Three, put your hand in the air right now, boldly, right now. Don't ever let somebody make you ashamed of what God is doing in your life. Right now, I'm coming home, wow. Right now, God, I'm coming home. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness right now. Man, all over there, amen. Absolutely, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.